Good morning again, everyone. God bless you all. You are in the Walking with God Club. And my name is Pastor Yato. My wife, Lady Ebon, is in the pink background. And welcome. We will be talking today on a dynamic subject. And um, I want to read first the text that we will be using today. Don't die in the wilderness. Get to the promised land. Um, I'm hoping that people will be able to listen to this also afterwards and enjoy the message. Uh, I will be reading from the book of Numbers, chapter 14. That's where I'm going to get started this morning. Numbers, chapter 14. This will be a teaching, so I'm going to take my time uh, to bring out the word of the Lord. You know, so the story that we are about to read, a lot of things preceded this portion, but I won't read all of that. As you know, or may know, Moses sent out a chosen man from one from each of the tribes to go spy out the, the land, including Joshua and Caleb. You know, but all the others except those two men brought an evil report after they came back. A contradictory report, as a matter of fact. You know, they said the land was good, but yet, you know, had giants and he swallowed the inhabitants and all that thing, and they said we're not able to do it. You know, but Joshua and Caleb gave a good report and said that we are able to go up and take the place for the Lord is with us and these people will be bread for us. We're going to have them for lunch. And so they were strong in the name of the Lord and they knew they could do it. But all the other people, well, they gave an evil report and they discouraged the hearts of the people to the intent that even many of them, you know, also, their hearts wanted to go back uh, to Egypt. So, that's the background of the story. I'll pick it up here in uh, Numbers chapter 14 and verse 22. And here's the Lord, what he said. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land where into he went, and his seed shall possess it. I'll jump here to verse uh, 27. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? which murmur against me. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. And they continued, you know. And so the Lord said, Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Because they said, We are not able. We are going to perish. These people are going to destroy us. So the Lord said, Well, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, except Caleb the son of Jephunneth and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which you said should be prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. You know, and he said, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years. Bear your hordons until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye search the land, even forty days each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities you know, even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. Wow. You know, and the Lord, I the Lord have said, I will surely do it unto this evil congregation that are gathered against me. And in this wilderness, they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. That's a, that's a, you know, 
a terrible introduction to a message like this. But that's the message. And that was the warning that the Lord gave them because they did not believe and did not continue to believe. Well, that was their own Achilles heel, if you want to call it. But there are, there are many reasons why people, you know, may die in the wilderness. In every generation where there has been a time of refreshing and when God has called people out, well, we don't see from history, and I will be telling you an eyewitness account today. You know, we don't see that, you know, people actually continue on. We see that oftentimes, you know, they just go around in circles, or they go right back to the thing where God pulled them out from, and they perish in the wilderness. You know, so we have a grave warning here. First Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read the first five verses. And again, you know, this is, you know, telling us, you know, reminding us of these stories, you know, that happened. But they're not just stories. They were real events. Moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the Red Sea or through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were for examples to the intent that we should not also lost after the things that they lost it after. Well, you know, one thing or the other made them to not get to the promised land. Read also verse 11. Now all these things happen unto them for our examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, this is the thing today, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And uh, before I begin to actually say the things that the Lord put in my mind, let me read some other scriptures as a background. I'm also going to read Jude chapter, I mean Jude verse 5. There's only one chapter. And in verse 5, here's what he says. I will put you in remembrance. Though you once knew this, how that the Lord, after having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. I mean, that is a very, very sad, sad story. And we see here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, the Lord gives a very profound statement here, himself. And he gives a very stern warning. And so, you know, let's read it together, which many people also know this text. Not everyone that said to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. For many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that walk iniquity. Now that is, that is so, so, so sad. You know, so, I wanted to put those scriptures out there and then we're going to talk about some of these things, you know, that I really want to also discuss this morning. And I'm going to go back and tell you uh, an eyewitness account. You know, now the book of Luke, in, in, I mean, the writer Luke who wrote the uh, the book of Luke and who also wrote the book of Acts, you know, he said something like, look, in as much as people have taken it, upon themselves to, you know, declare unto us the things that are most assuredly believed among us. So let me also do the same. Well, so that's what I'm doing here today. 
And this is eyewitness account. This is not, I mean, these are things that we have handled of the word of life that we have tasted. These are not fables that I'm going to tell you here today. And there's a reason why I'm bringing it. And before I go there, let me remind us of the text, our leading text today. These people that had the promises of God, they actually experienced the breach of God's promise. You say, well, can God break his promise? Well, you know, the, in their case, it was the fact that they did not sanctify God in their hearts. They did not believe God. They did not trust in the word of God. They lost it after evil things. They murmured. Whatever it is that they did, they were not in obedience to the call of God. And it eventually created a breach of God's promise. And the very people that God intended to bring into the promised land, they perished in the wilderness. Well, let me put it to you this way. God allowed them to go around in circles until he wheeled them all out. Now, when there's a mixed multitude like that, sometimes God had to weed them out. You know, he even told the story of Gideon, you know, as we all know, too many people came out there, 32,000 to start with, when he tried to put together that army. And it was way too large. And God looked at that crowd and said, no, it's a mixed crowd. You know, send them home. You know, tell them something that will get rid of them. You know, so... Those of you who are newly married or whatever it is, if your heart is afraid, go home. And still, it was too many until finally God got it down to about 600. He said, well, by these ones, I will, you know, do the job so that you will not think that it was by your power. You know, so there are times that God looks into the crowd and sees that it's mixed up, you know. And in the case of the crowd that came out of Egypt, it was a mixed bunch you know, many of them were grumblers, murmurers, and everything like that. And there, there rose among them, even, you know, people who wanted to go back there, and so on and so forth. And finally, God, you know, God wearied them out. Wearied them out. You know, so let me tell you a story of what happened in the mid-70s, of which I was a part. Now, many of you might not have been born at that time, you know, but I was a part of this thing. I'm going to tell it to you today. In the mid-70s, there was a mighty revival that broke up, broke forth in Nigeria, which is where I grew up, and in other parts of Africa too, but mostly in Nigeria. And we called it then the end time message. That's what we called it. You know, we didn't exactly call it the message of the kingdom. But the message was Revelation 18.4, come out of our my people. The message then was, you know, come out of the system of religion. Come out of this Babylonian system of churches. And we were preaching then against, you know, the mother of harlots, which was the Catholicism system. And all her daughters, which are also the religious uh, denominations, have sprung up after that. And we were, I mean, we were so excited that, you know, the message, when we got that message, and we were, you know, we, God also brought into, uh, you know, God brought to our attention a, a prophecy that was written in the 17th century and talked about you know, how God is going to call out a virgin church uh, at the end of the age. You talk about, you know, how God is going to use the prophecy of Jean Liad and how he's going to use, you, you know, uh, depict the thing that happened in Egypt, you know, how the people were under servitude and how God was going to bring them out. And there was going to be a virgin church at the end of the age who had not known anything of the systems of man and God was going to prepare them through the fanning of the fairy flame, trials and different things to make them that they are ready. And that none of them will be able to stand under God unless they were fully tried. And they encouraged the people who are waiting for this visible breaking forth to hold fast in the spirit of true unity. And he said that there was a, God was going to raise the most prophetical generation. You know, and this was this prophecy was given. You know, I don't even know, maybe 16, 16 something in the 17th century. This, so we came, we came, we came in contact with this, you know, and I personally, my story is this. I thank God that I was never too embedded in these systems anyway. 
you know, uh, even though my parents were Christians, I really didn't go with them to their, their churches. I think they were probably Anglican or whatever. And when I gave my life for Christ, when I came into the, you know, kingdom that way, I was only 17 back then. And immediately I chose to not go into any of those churches. I didn't know any of these things that I know today. But we were meeting in different fellowship groups and we somehow just detest, you know, I just from the beginning detested this whole idea of this organized religion, you know. And then later when these messages were coming, this end, what we call then anti-messages, telling us, you know, that you really need to separate, you need to get out of that system and all of this, you know, it was easy for me, you know, to, to jump right into that. But here is the thing. A lot of people were so excited. They were jumping right out. I mean, mostly this revival broke out among young people in colleges all over Nigeria. And there was a sweeping reign of power, <laughs> you know, like you've never seen before. I mean, people were going in and cleaning out, you know, ment you know, mental hospitals. You know, crazy people were getting healed. People were bringing their curious eyes and submitting them. People were being delivered and set free. People were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit like you've never seen before. Gifts were breaking out, you know, and things were just happening. This was in the 70s, 75, 76, 77. So what I'm trying to tell you about. And we were saying that the Lord is coming soon, you know, and then... All of a sudden, here's what happened. All those people that were coming out of those systems, then many of them, they were excited about the breakout of the power, the breakout of the, you know, the anointing. And the, I mean, we would come into what we call fellowship groups then. And, you know, I mean, it, would, it was just amazing. I mean, the things that were happening. We would come into a, a service like this. You know, the glory of God will come down physically, the pillar of fire, you know, and people who came, who were standing around, they'll be drawn in, they'll be falling down, you know, and just crying and asking for deliverance. And there were deliverance, demonic powers. And you talk about demonic activity back then in the 70s in Nigeria. And people will be getting set free and all kinds of things were happening. And later on in the movement, I call it movement now, later on in the movement, Certain things started to creep in. And when certain people started to creep in, you know, they were all coming. And I'm going to read a scripture to us in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 7. You know, there's something amazing about rain. What's amazing about rain, in fact, just the other day I was telling my wife when it started to rain, I said like, wow, this rain is really good. But, you know, this rain is helping our good plants, but it's also causing the weed, you know, to multiply, <laughs> you know, so that's the amazing thing about rain. I mean, we had tremendous rain from God at that time, spiritual rain, if you get my drift, you know, and it was so powerful, but the same rain that was blessing the real seed was also causing the weed to multiply, you know, so... Let's read this one verse in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 7. Say, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that comes oft upon it, you know, the rain falls upon the whole earth, it brings, you know, it bringeth forth herbs, meat for them, by whom it is dressed, receiving blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns, you know, so... The, the rain can bring forth herbs, but it can also bring forth thorns. You know, so when it brings forth thorns and briars, it is rejected. But they all receive the same rain. And it is nigh to cursing whose end is to be burned. You know, now that's, that's a serious, that's a serious, serious situation. So, I'll tell you one another part of the story. And here's where I'm going with this. As we were going in those days, I was going from city to city. You know, and uh, we were having fellowship, we were having a great time. And I noticed that things were creeping in. You know, and people, people were saying, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. You know, drop everything. You know, come out of college. Do this and do that. You know, and, and this thing was like wildfires. You know, and of course, you know, by the grace of God, I was, I and a few others were a lone voice. And I said, no. You know, I was in the last year of college then 
and all kinds of crazy stuff was going on. I said, look, the Bible says occupy till I come. You know, the Bible says, look, in what state, wherever you are called, they are in abide. You can be doing these things and still be a witness for God. And everybody was just doing crazy things. So leaving school, doing this, say, we're going to go get married. The Lord is coming back. And it was just all kinds of crazy and foolishness that started to creep in. Meanwhile, they were speaking in tongues. They were seeing visions. They were doing things. And their life had no, no, nothing close even to the character of Christ. Nothing. And people were jumping. And I started saying then, look, if you're not careful, you're going to be shouting your way right back to Babylon. Well, fast forward many years, you know, people said the Lord is coming, the Lord is coming. Well, that was 75, 76, 77. And we're still here now. <laughs> and many of those people have perished in the wilderness, sadly. And many of them, those that did not perish, they went back to the systems. The same systems from where they came out. So, one day, I was preparing to go. I heard that one particular city where the fellowship was. You know, uh, you know, they had received the, what we were calling the entire message. I said, oh, can any good thing come out of this city? So I said, okay, let me go there. And uh, I was preparing. They were going to have a three-day meeting. It was a fellowship. That's what we called it then. They were not part of the systems. They had all come out of the, of the traditional churches. We were all saying, come out of our, my people, Revelation 18 and 4, be not partakers of their plagues and so forth. We were not calling it the message of the kingdom then, but it was almost like the same thing. You know, and we were preaching these things, and some people were coming, and everybody was excited. So one morning, I said, okay, let me go and check out this place. And as I was praying, preparing my heart to go to this fellowship, the Holy Spirit said, He said, because many of these people have heard that I am doing a strange work, therefore they begin to devise to themselves strange things. Beware, I'm quoting it verbatim, beware thou and be not partakers with them, for many shall lose their birthright. And I say, wow. I, I, you know, I had to go research birthright. I didn't even know much about it then. And then I researched the scriptures and I saw Isaiah 28 and 21. And during that time, that Isaiah 28 and 21 was a common thing that everybody was shouting about. They say, oh, the Lord is going to stir himself up. He will rise up as Imam Perazim. He will be, you know, he will stir himself up as the valley of Gibeon to do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. So everybody said, the Lord is doing a new thing. In fact, there was a song we used to sing there, the Lord is doing a new thing, the Lord is doing, and everybody will be shouting about it. Then we used to sing another song, we say, you know, Holy Ghost don't on me telling me to go ahead. You know, and at first I allowed that song, and afterwards I didn't like it. And I said, telling the people, settle down now. They're telling you to go ahead with what? People were doing crazy things and telling me that, it, I mean, saying, proclaiming that the Holy Spirit was leading them. They were doing things that were contrary to the scriptures and saying that the Holy Spirit was moving with them. And this may sound strange to many of you because this was things that happened. And it's a true story. And this is my account of it. It's an eyewitness account. You take it or leave it. But that's what happened. You know, and after a long time, Many of these people fell away. And why? Matthew chapter 13. In the story of the parable of the sower. When Jesus was explaining to them in verses 18 to 23. He said, now hear the parable of the sower. First they said, why are you speaking to them in parables? He said, well because to you it is given, but to them it's not. To understand the mysteries of the kingdom. So we know that the mysteries of the kingdom are inside those parables. And Jesus began to break it down. He said, the par the so hear this parable of the sower. The when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and they don't understand it, the enemy immediately comes and plucks up from their heart that which they heard. This is the seed that fell by the wayside. So he explained it. There's some parables that Jesus explained, point blank. Some he didn't. He just put it out there. But the ones that he explained, it's already there. There's no need to look for further explanation. Now, he further said, you know, the seed that fell on the rocks, they, uh, you know, when he was saying the parable, he said, look, immediately they received the word with joy. But because they had no root in themselves, <laughs> afterwards, they withered away when the sun came up. And, you know, so 
And this was exactly what was happening in the 70s. These people were receiving the message, which we were calling the entire message, come out of, our, of our Babylon, come out of our, my people, the Lord is doing a new world, the Lord is doing a new thing, you know, come out, you know. And people were receiving, people were so excited, people were rejoicing. But they did not take time to grow and develop the character of Christ in the world. And they didn't care about all those things. And they were following the gifts. And I tell you, I tell you folks, everybody became a prophet. Everybody became an apostle. Everybody became this and that and so forth. And many of these people had no clue, you know, what the character of Christ looked like. And they were doing things that were contrary to scripture. They were jumping up and down, saying things and using the word of God. And God had warned me because of what he said to me that many of these people begin to devise to themselves strange things and be not partakers with them because many will lose their birthright. And my goodness, you know, I can take three hours to talk just on that, but I won't. And it happened exactly. And many of these people jumping up and down, shouting and so forth, you know, crazy things that they were doing, you know, I mean, we even had people, they were living in sin, purely. And they were speaking in tongues and jumping up and down. How are they living in sin? Some of them, you say, well, the Lord told me that this is going to be my wife. And they were just doing all kinds of things. I mean, they grab a woman and say, it's going to be my wife. They were not even going through the culture of even marriage and the tradition and stuff. And they were just doing all kinds of things. And yet they were jumping up and down and saying, the Lord is doing anything. The Lord called them out of Babylon. <laughs> well, the end state was worse than even the first. I thank God that I was not involved with all that mess. You know, I was a lone voice. Um, with a few others then that were speaking against it. You know, but, you know, people were just shouting their way. And they went right back into the systems after many years. They perished in the wilderness. They did. They all perished. You know, so, where are we today? <laughs> well, Isaiah 37 and verse 31, it says, You shall take root downward and then bear fruit upward. Now, this is the problem. You know, people don't want to take root downward. They don't want to take the time. And so here we are today, we're talking about the message of the kingdom. I mean, and this thing is becoming a byword and a cliche all over the place. Everybody is now saying kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Now, there are some real, true, powerful men and women of God on this app that are bringing the word of God. Then, you know, I also hear a lot of other things. And the Bible says that, look, those who have their senses exercised to discern good and evil, they know these things. You know, so I go in and I, I, you know, I I just take my time because I have experience in these things. People are jumping up and down. People are excited about something. It's like the seed that fell on the rock. They have no root. They're excited for a while. But, you know, at the end of the day, sad to say, they perish in the wilderness because they did not stay with the true word. They did not try to develop the character of Christ. Remember, Genesis 1 and 26. And I always say it anytime we're talking on the message of the kingdom. You got to go back to that. The priorities must be set right. The first thing is, let us make man in our image. After our likeness. And if that doesn't happen, you cannot have that dominion. You know, image, you have to look like Christ, you have to talk like Christ. Romans 8.29 says the same thing. This is what God predestined us to become. We must come into the image of the Christ. You know, before you want to have dominion, you want to rule the earth, you don't have his image, you don't have his character. And that talks about character. You know, and people will just be shouting up and down. You know, but God is not mocked by any of those things you know you just leave them after a while they will perish and you know this is the sad thing i was saying this in the 70s actually you know it wasn't in the 70s i was saying it wasn't sometimes in the 80s that i realized it because we all thought the lord was coming and the lord didn't come. and one time i was seeking the lord and uh, the lord made me realize that look you know god needs to weary the people out you know, let them just go around in, in circles, weary all the bunch of, uh, you know, hypocrites out and get rid of all the mixed crowd, you know, you know, and enough time passes, they will all be wearied out and they die in the wilderness. Uh, you know, it was a shock. 
you know, for, for, for me, when the Lord was telling me these things. And I saw it happening. You know, and Hebrews chapter 12 wants us, he said, look, you know, don't let a root of bitterness, verses 15 to 17, spring up in you, you know, and let it destroy you. And don't be like Esau that sold his birthright. But later on, he was trying to get it. In fact, I had to go research those scriptures, you know, after, afterwards when the Lord told me about people losing their birthright. You know, sold his birthright and had to go get it, try to get it again with tears. But he couldn't get it, you know, because he sold the birthright. You know, God gave him, you know, the birthright, but he sold it. You know, of course, you know, we know, you know, the story there and what happened. You know, so, you know, the people of God that are coming. And, you know, back then in the 70s, we were talking about the man-child. Another thing we were preaching was Revelation 12 and 5. The man child, the firstborn, and these things, and so forth. And how God was going to separate us, we'll be, we'll be the called out people, and all these things. You know, everybody was so excited and so on. You know, but, you know, when you don't have the foundation of the basic word of God, and just jumping around on some excitement, it's all going to fizzle away, and then people perish in the wilderness. Now, in those days, their problem could have been something else. They did not sanctify God in their hearts. They did not believe the word of God and the promise that God gave them. So the promise became a breach. You know, today, what is it? It could be something else. You know, whatever it is that is not according to wholesomeness, you know, Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. Back to the word, it says, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And I remember Back then in the 70s and 80s, I used to quote that verse a lot because I was seeing people that said, well, we are in the end time message. We are the called out ones. But their life was not according to the word. And I said, well, there's no light there. You know, and of course, it wasn't popular, you know, and so forth. You know, so, but that's the truth. There is no light there. It's not going to get anywhere. We got to get to the place, you know, where we let the Lord have his work in us through the word of God. When I came into Christ, it was very fundamentally, you know, we were taught then Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. You know, I mean, I was taught to believe that and to expect it in my life. Well, later on, you know, when people were coming into these so-called end-time messages, there was no conversion. There was no regeneration. <laughs> There was no change in their lives. They were just jumping in and saying, hey, the Lord is doing great things. And they come in here and they, you know, all that stuff was still in their lives. And there was no change. There was nothing. There was no washing of regeneration. There was no, I mean, no, no true turnaround in their lives. You know, they didn't even know that old things have to pass away. They're carrying on the same old ways and then shouting their way right back to Babylon. And, you know, Hey, look, and people have left, people are following the gifts. They left the basic things, you know, the basic commandments, principles that people that were saying, oh, we are this and that. We have this gift. We see this vision. And I tell you what, those gifts were razor sharp. I mean, we had tongues and interpretation of tongues like I've never even seen it today. I mean, to the where, you know, somebody is speaking in tongues and you're understanding it. It's not that you are just trying to use faith to interpret it, you know, and you know, things were just, I mean, it was great. But <laughs> the basic foundation, you know, can't even love the Lord to keep his commandments. Can't even love your neighbor. I mean, you're going out for around to defraud your neighbor and do all the things that are contrary to scripture. And yet you're shouting, you're walking the gifts, you're, you're prophesying, you're doing all these things. And wow, didn't Jesus say it in Matthew seven twenty one? I read it this morning that people will come and say, well, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we jump up and down and all these things? <laughs> and Lord said, no, I never knew you. It's not even I don't know you. It's I never knew you. You know, because the word of God is the original seed. And if we, you know, if we veer away from that, <laughs> you know, and the word of God is the final arbiter, is the thing that you have to check everything against that barometer. It's the final thing. I don't care how good something looks on the surface, and I've gone in this app, I mean, we see people prophesying and doing all kinds of things and so on, <laughs> you know, but having your senses exercised to discern good and evil 
you know, what, what does he really look like? Does he really look like, I mean, is he really, does he have the character of Christ? Does he have the word? Is he backed up by the word? You see, is he backed up by the word? You know, if it is not according to the word, it is because there is no light in them. You know, there is nothing, you know, I mean, we, we, we are not to follow gifts. We are not to follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are to follow us. The Bible says the apostles went everywhere and they preached the kingdom and signs and wonders followed them. God confirmed the word. But people back in those 70s and the early 80s, they were following the signs and the wonders and they did not want the word of God. <laughs> they didn't. Uh, this may sound strange to some of you, but it is a warning. It is a warning. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, let him that thinks he stands, let him take heed, lest he falls. So, what am I saying today? Well, I am saying that the same God that called people out of the system of religion in the 70s, called us out of the Babylonian system, called us out of all those dead works and dead things. And many of us came out of that. You know, it was, it was a movement that mostly among the youth, but it was powerful. In fact, till this day, I've not seen anything like it. <laughs> I've not seen anything like it till this day. You know, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. God was not well pleased because they forsook the word of God. They started to devise to themselves strange things just because the Lord said, I'm doing a strange work. I'm going to do a strange act. And then they began to devise strange things, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, with many of them, God was not well pleased. And the end told a sad story. At the end, many of them fell away. Many of them went back to the same, you know, it's like a dog has gone back to its vomit. Many of them went back to the same things that they were claiming once that they came out of. And uh, so today, here is where I am. This is my story. You, you, know, you don't have to argue it. It's just my story. <laughs> if you don't like it, you know, it's my story. It's nothing you can do about it. It's my story. You know, so, and that's a beautiful thing about this, you know, this wonderful app that we have here. One of the best features of this app is this thing called Live Quietly. If you don't like it, you know, I mean, so why... Well, argue. You know, some people go into rooms and try to argue. If I don't like it, I just leave. <laughs> you know, you go create your own room, start your own, control your own narrative. This is my story. This is an eyewitness account. You know, because, you know, I see a lot of people that are jumping up and saying, you know, kingdom, 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 kingdom. It's become a byword now. You know, and it was a byword in the 70s for us. You know, the end time message was a byword. Come out of Come out of Babylon. It was a byword. Come out of the system of religion. It was a byword. You know, and all of these things, you know, and everybody was shouting. And we were loving it. And it was great. You know, but fundamentally, there was something wrong. What was wrong was that this thing, this rain was falling on both the wheat, the true herbs, and also, I mean, the wheat, and also the weed. And Jesus said, let them both grow together. He said, look, should we go and pluck out the, you know, the bad ones? He said, no, let them both grow together. <laughs> you know, because while you're trying to pluck something out, you may pluck the other one out. So just leave them until the harvest time. Then, and then we will see clearly. Well, enough time passes, enough rain passes. You begin to see the real weed look like weed and the real corn looks like corn. And now you can tell the difference, you know. But it, fundamentally something was wrong. There was something missing. And what was missing was people did not hold on to the true word of God. Back to the law and to the testimony. If it's not according to this word, there's no light in it. Isaiah 8 and 20. I cannot say that enough. You know, so, you know, I encourage everybody. There are true, powerful leaders in this. I want to call it movement now because, you know, I've seen the movement before. In this movement now of the gospel of the kingdom, and I'm not saying that to talk about, you know, the club that's called gospel of kingdom. I'm just... You know, talking about this movement of this message of the kingdom. Let me say that message of the kingdom. You know, people are jumping in now and saying, you know, we're in the kingdom, we're in the kingdom. Well, you may be in the kingdom, but you know, there's so many stories. Let me tell you other parables of the kingdom. The parables of the kingdom are, you know, Jesus said, look, Matthew 13, read it all there. The kingdom of heaven, which is this kingdom that we are preaching. Is like a woman that took three measures of meal 
and a measure of leaven and mixed it all up together until it was all mixed up. Now, so the kingdom of heaven, as we are preaching and singing now, is not always all the good. There is the three measures of meal, which is good, but there's also the measure of leaven, which is all mixed up in there. And when it's all mixed up, until it's all mixed up, there is this parable of the dragon net, you know, or drag net, sorry. The drag net. You throw out the net, it's in the same chapter, cash all giant tree and all the birds of the air came and lodged in well not all the birds of the air are clean <laughs> you know some of them are foul birds some of them are birds that are you know condemned by God you know but they all come and lodge in it you know so you know but just <laughs> you know he told the disciples why am I speaking to them parables because a parable is a plain truth that is put out there and yet hidden so Jesus will put it plain out there but it's just hidden and so all these things are there ladies and gentlemen men and brethren these are the parables of the kingdom you know the parables of the kingdom the seed that fell on the rocks is what we are talking about today and because there is no depth they didn't have any depth. They received the word with joy initially. They're shouting and so forth and excited. But by and large, they die in the wilderness. Now, that's not what we want. You know, and there are many reasons why those people die in the wilderness. Now, when we were shouting that the Lord was coming back in the 70s, you know, everybody was thinking the Lord was coming back as a certain date and so forth. Everybody was getting excited and shouting and so on. Well, here we are today. <laughs> you know, now we see a lot of signs and there was a lot of signs back then too. We see a lot of signs today, but I tell you also one thing. No. About when the Lord is coming back, you know, and that's something that was also missing in the gap. You know, you know, over the 80s and 90s and so forth, the message, you know, lost its meaning. And people, you know, started to think about, oh, you know, let's get saved and go to heaven. And they forgot that there is a kingdom and the work that God wants us to do right here. Jesus prayed about it himself. John 17 and 15. Father, I pray that you take them not from the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. So, if the purpose was just for us to go to heaven, then he would take us from the world. When we're saved, we just go to heaven. And that's, that's lost today in the message that the churches are preaching. You know, just, oh, give your life to Christ and go to heaven. Then what happens in between? <laughs> you know, heaven doesn't need you. <laughs> you know, God needs you right here on earth. And as I often say to people, Adam was never created in heaven. In fact, there's no record that he was in heaven. <laughs> you know, God created him right here on earth, gave him dominion right here on earth, and rulership and authority right here on earth. It wasn't about going to heaven. And today, the people saying we're going to heaven and so forth. So we thank God that the real understanding is coming forth at this end of the age now. But hey, that, that business of end of the age, that's in God's hands. We were saying it was the end of the age in the 70s, and I'm still here. And I am blessed, you know, God has helped me to see many of these movements over the years, and I'm blessed that I'm still here. So I thank God for it. Uh, it's not because of anything, it's just because of the grace of God. But one thing that was fundamental was, you know, I learned to stay with the word. You know, forget all the fluff, forget all the excitement. All of that is good, but stay with the word. The word is actually the only thing that actually lasts. You know, all these other things, prophecy and all these other excitement. So that's good. You know, but, you know, the word is what judges at the end. And today we even have modern day Pharisees. When Jesus was telling them, beware of the leaven, they thought it was something else. You know, and they, so we have modern day Pharisees. And this is the, it, this is the cycle. It's always there. You know, because Jesus said, let them grow together until the end. And folks, you know, today, the reason why people may die in the wilderness may be different than the reason why those people died in the wilderness. 
the reason the children of Israel died was different than the reason that my generation in the 70s and 80s died in the wilderness. It was different. But nonetheless, they died in the wilderness and they didn't get to the promised land. Now, today, the reason may be different. You know, some people may actually, you know, remember, Hebrews 11 warns of bitterness. So if you're coming out of the systems, be sure that there's no bitterness in your heart. <laughs> you know, because we are warned in Hebrews 11. Don't let any bit, I mean Hebrews 12, don't let bitterness come into your heart. And don't let all these things come into your heart. You know, and so forth like that. You know, so what we, what we need to do is go back fundamentally to becoming like Christ. This is what is missing. And this is what we need to have. You know, we need to come back to becoming like the Christ. That's, that's it. Fundamentally. You know, so, and anytime I hear teachings that takes us back to that, my heart is glad. You know, sometimes I hear some other things that are just all around the place. Well, you know, I keep my spiritual antennas on. You know, so, but, you know, we need to go back to being like the Christ. And what was the story of the Christ? Let me bring this in and then I will wrap it up. What was the story of the Christ? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 tells his story. Unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. Now, there is a process in between that and the other. In between the child being born until they are presented as a son. For Christ, it took him maybe 30 years. You know, and he was in preparation. He humbled himself. He became obedient. He was in preparation. And it, it, took, it took time. You know, he wasn't just, you know, presented the day he was born. No, he was born as a child. <laughs> he, you know, there was something that had to happen. And the whole creature, and this was another scripture that we used to jump up and down about in the 70s, Romans 8, 19. We were jumping about that, the honest expectation of the creatures waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Sons of God are going to manifest and so forth. And everybody was jumping around on it, but unfortunately, you know, there was no true root. Remember, Isaiah 37 and verse 31, you must take root downward in order to bear fruit upward. There was no real root. People were just shouting. So, it took Christ many years in preparation for that. He wasn't just, you know, just come one day and born. But the day he was presented, the whole world knew it. He came out of the water being baptized of John the Baptist. The heavens opened up. And that was his presentation. And the Lord, the voice of the Father came and said, This is my beloved son. That's right. <laughs> you know, and he presented him right there. You know, and you, you look at the stories that we were told, the account of his life. Up to that time, everything had been silent. We are not, we don't know what miracle he was working in the house with Joseph and Mary, but publicly hadn't done anything. As a matter of fact, it was after that that he went into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. And when he came back, he went into the temple and took the book of Isaiah and read it and declared his public ministry. But yet, when he came out of that water to be baptized, I mean baptized and came out of the water, yet the heavens opened up and said, this is my beloved son. You know, why? Because his life was exact. He was, read it in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. You know, God, you can read it from verses 1. You know, it says, God who has hundred times has spoken to us in, in diverse manners by the prophets and so on and so forth. As in these last days, I'm just quoting it, spoken to us by his son. You know, whom has appointed to be heirs of all. Who being, see, who being the brightness of his person, I mean the image, and the express image of his person, the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. He was already like that. That's why the father could say to him in the beginning, let us make man in our image. And he could also say in Romans 8, 20 and 19, I will predestine everyone that I foreknew. You know, whom he did for no, <laughs> he also did predestinate to become like the Christ. That's the predestinate you were already going to be. You know, and, you know, and that's the thing. And that's the thing that is fundamentally missing. And that was what Christ had that separated him. It wasn't the miracles that he did that made him to get that commendation from the Father. No, it was because he was in the image and likeness of God. And for us to get the true commendation, it's not about, you know, I prophesy, I do miracles, I preach great, I do all of these things. That's wonderful. 
But are you in the image? And are you in the likeness of God? Are you coming into that character? You know, people have left these simple things yet so powerful in the scriptures. You know, a learned man came to Christ and said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? <laughs> you know, and Jesus would say, look, two things. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart. And then love your neighbor as yourself. What does loving the Lord thy God with all your heart means? There is a there is a, a narrative that Jesus gave in John chapter 14. You know, John chapter 14 and verse 23. He gave the narrative and he said, look, if a man loves me, he will keep my commandments and my word. And my father will love him. And we will come and make our body. Now, this is a differentiation, you know, differentiated kind of love, folks. This is not John 3.16 kind of love. John 3.16 kind of love is God loved everybody. You know, God just loved the whole world and he gave his son to die for everybody. And that's, that's great, you know. You know, but this, this kind of love that Jesus is talking about in John 14 and 23, this is the one that he also talks, the scripture also talks about in Romans 8 and 28. For we know that all things work together for those that love God. Not, all things don't work together for those that God loves. <laughs> no, all things work together for those that love God. This is a differentiated kind of love. You know, those that love God, those who are called according to his purpose, they love God. And how do we know a man loves God? Jesus said, if a man loves me, in John chapter 14, he will keep my words. So if you say you're loving God and you're not keeping, you're not doing according to the word, then there's no light there. <laughs> you know, it's still darkness. And my father will love him and we will come unto him. This is, God will now chase you. It's not you chasing God. God, because you chased him first by loving him. Now he will come after you. I will come after him and I will make my abode with him. You know, this is Jesus. You know, he said, look, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Revelation 3.20. People use that to preach to unbelievers. <laughs> it was a message to the church. You know, Jesus will chase after you when you love the Lord, uh, God, with all your heart. And there will be a differentiated kind of relationship between God and you. It's not the same as everybody. You know, people say, oh, you know, it's all the same. No, it's not the same. You know, this, the psalmist said, you know, in, the, in his presence is fullness of joy. And as it's right down there are pleasures forevermore. And we also know that God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. You know, so if his presence is everywhere, how come everybody don't have fullness of joy? <laughs> so, you know, no, that's not how it works. There is a universal presence of God. It's kind of also like the universal love of God. You know, God loves the world. But there is a differentiated presence of God. The revealed presence of God. That's where the real treasure is. You know, when you are in that revealed presence, you have fullness of joy. But the presence of God is everywhere. The world is full of bitterness and problems. There's no fullness of joy in the world. You know, so when we read the scriptures, we need to read with understanding. So when we love God with all of our hearts, we will follow the word of God. It always goes back to that. Finally, John 15 and 7, you know. If ye abide in me, and my word abide in you, then you shall ask whatever you will. But before that, Jesus said, look, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. And my father is the husbandman. Never forget that. You know, and if a branch does not abide in me, he is withered away, and is, you know, becomes dead, and eventually cast into the fire. Now, remember, these are branches that were in him to start with. I am the true vine, and my father is the husband man. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit. Now, this is a branch that's already in him. This is not branch that's outside of him. <laughs> you know, but you must take root downward in order to bear fruit upward. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, it's already branch in him, he taketh away. And every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purges so that he can bear even more fruit. <laughs> you see, and now you are clean through the word. It all goes back to the word. Through the word that I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You know, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. And this is the 
Achilles heel today. People are not abiding in the word. You know, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abided in me, that's the word, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And without me, you can do nothing. And if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. How many times is he going to say it? And these are people that are already in him. But if they don't abide in him, then he, they're going to be cast forth. He'll be withered, and people gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burnt. But if he abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you shall ask whatsoever you will, and it shall be done unto you. Why? Because you are now in the character of the Christ. You are walking in the light. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. First John 1 5. And when you are in that light, and that light is in you, and you are, you are resembling the Christ, and you are looking, acting, and talking like the Christ, you know, <laughs> all things are yours. You just say, I mean, even the creation will obey you because the character of Christ is now inside of you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to yield my mic here. You know, but before I do, let me say this. Let us not die in the wilderness. The same God that called them out of Egypt, separated them out of the servitude that they were in in that place. Afterwards, destroyed many of them. And they all perished in the wilderness. That was the story of the Israelites. But I experienced it in my own life, in my own day. Well, thank God I didn't die in the wilderness, but I saw something similar. A lot of people that came out of the dead system of religion and were shouting about, you know, condemning uh, the Babylonian system of churches. Come out of her, my people. She's, she's the mother of harlots and all her harlot children come out of that system. And all of them that were shouting all of that, you know, and I came out of that. Afterwards, many of them died in the wilderness. Because they did not follow on to stay with their word. They began to devise to them strange things. You can't change the word of God, folks. The word of God will not be changed for anybody. You know, so then they perished. And here we are today. You know, so today I see another movement. And I am so thankful. You know, I am so thankful. And God said, look, how many of you were in the old days that saw this house in the former glory? I can say that. <laughs> I saw the house in the former glory. And he said, look. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. And that's my prayer. You know, because I have seen this house in its former glory, folks. I have seen it. I can take six hours to tell you things that I have seen in the glory in that, in that movement. You know, but, you know, many people perished. You know, so now I am seeing something new. I'm seeing something exciting again. You know, and I caution people, go back to the word. Character is all about, I mean, it's all what it's all about. We must become like the Christ. And whatever that means. And those of us who are teachers, those of us who are bringing this word, this message of the kingdom, we must emphasize that. We must point people back to the word. We must point people back to the beginning. You know, become like him in his image and in his likeness so he can be proud. And he can say, this is my son. This is my daughter, of whom I am well pleased. Father, I pray over this room today. I pray that the people of God that heard this word engage you in the spirit. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16, Now we know no man henceforth after the flesh. Not even Christ. You know, so this is not, you know, don't, you know, when people engage a message in the flesh, it's not going to do them any good. They're going to just say, oh, that was a wonderful message, but it will have no impact, you know. But when they engage in the spirit, it's going to bring to about transformation. I pray, Lord, for real transformation in our lives. I pray that the, 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 the understanding will come in our hearts. When we hear the message of the gospel, we must have understanding so it's not plugged out of our hearts. I pray that we will, everyone, that is called into what God is doing now, will humble themselves and take inventory. Let every man you know, consider his ways. If he that thinks that he stands, let him be careful, lest he falls. 
And I pray, Lord, that we will not die in the wilderness like those others that die in the wilderness. But we will go on and we will get to the promised land. And God is not a respecter of persons. Even the great Moses, the prophet of God, you know, he didn't make it to that promised land. You know, so God is not a respecter of anyone. Once we, uh, you know, and to whom much is given, much is required. You know, so much is given to us now. We have greater understanding now. But, you know, God is also going to hold us to higher standard. He's going to hold us to higher standard. Isaiah 62 and verse 10. Lift up a standard for the people. Is what I'm doing here today. Lift up a standard for the people. God bless everyone that has listened. My name is Pastor Yado. And I will now yield my mic. Thank you everyone for your patience that have been with us. And let's have a conversation around this. God bless you. Amen.